scripture today is Romans 12, 1 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, acceptable and perfect. Uh, the word of the Lord. All right. Welcome to the Painted Door. She did awesome. I'm not going to be able to top that. Uh, it's good to have you all with us. I'm going to try and compete with the rain this morning. Um, during months that have five Sundays, some of you may know, we have now decided to declare one of those five Sundays Children's Sunday. So typically that will be the final Sunday of a month. This particular month of July, where there are, in, there are five Sundays, we're doing it on the fourth Sunday of the month uh, for a variety of reasons, including travel schedules, members meeting, etc. So today is Children's Sunday. And the purpose of this is not simply to give our children's teachers a break, though they certainly deserve it. The purpose of Children's Sunday actually focuses on our little ones. In case you haven't noticed, we have a growing number of small people that are part of our church family. In fact, just in the last three months alone, we've added six new babies into our church family. Way to go, young couples. Um, And a quick check of the tummies would indicate that there's about four or five more on the way over the span of the next couple of months. So 10 or so new people added into our church family by way of birth. We anticipate that's going to only increase as the years go on and more and more of you find each other and do what happens when that happens. We were going to have more and more children in our church. And children are an essential part of our church community. They are a vital part of our church Family. So when we declare Children's Sunday, that is an attempt to bring all of you children right into the very center of our church family life, to honor you. You are our VIPs for today. We also want the children to begin to learn how to receive the Word of God through the preaching of the Bible. And so they're here sitting in the front They're going to receive a special children's sermon that's just for them here this morning, and perhaps some of you will benefit from it also, because really, at the end of the day, we all benefit from the same gospel. We all have the same Lord Jesus offering the same good news, and so we're proclaiming that good news to people of all ages this morning. Okay, so little ones, today is about you. And I have a question for you that you're going to want to hear, especially you, Oz. What is your favorite movie? You can raise your hand. What is your favorite movie? Anyone want to tell me what your favorite movie is? Go figure. Micah, what is your favorite movie? Field of Dreams. 
Be still, my heart. <laughs> He's been trained well. Why do you like Field of Dreams so much, Micah? Because it's a baseball movie. Exactly right. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Anyone else? Yes. What is your favorite movie? The Fantastic Mr. Fox, a Wes Anderson movie. Great choice. What do you love so much about The Fantastic Mr. Fox? It is really funny, isn't it? It's a very funny movie. What's your favorite movie? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, an excellent choice. Classic. Disney. We, we have, have an entry from the back. Favorite movie? Minions. Okay, Minions. I see this is degenerating quickly. Oz, what is your favorite movie? What is it? Solo. That's a good one. Okay, and Bodhi, last one. The Fantastic Four. Okay. Those are all... Great, great choices. My favorite movie is The Princess Bride. Okay. Now that's sort of an obligatory answer for pastors. It's safe, it's clean, what have you. Every youth pastor's favorite movie is The Princess Bride because you can show it over and over again. But you know what I love about The Princess Bride? There's swords and pirates and castles, and even something called the pit of despair. You know what I love even more about The Princess Bride? Is all of the special characters that are in the movie. You've got the evil Prince Humperdinck, right? Boo, boo. You've got the giant. You've got the swordsman. The man in black. The great Princess Buttercup, right? All of these wonderful characters. What's so wonderful about movies is that they actually help us figure out what kind of a character we want to be, what kind of a person we want to be, and they help us think about what kind of a person we don't want to be, right? So when we watch The Princess Bride, I want to have the skill of the swordsman and the strength of the giant and the cleverness of the man in black. And I don't want anything to do with the sour face of Prince Humperdinck. What kind of a name is that anyway, right? Prince Humperdinck. I bet they made fun of him at school. He's got a story. He's in therapy. Okay, but I don't want to be like Prince Humperdinck, right? So movies are really good because they can help us think about what kind of person and character we want to be. But you have to be really careful because movies can trick you. Did you know that? Movies and TV shows and even video games, they can trick you. Do you know how they trick you? They start to make you think that maybe the made-up characters and stories in the movie are more important than the real people and stories of real life. Okay, I want to tell you a story from my real life. All right, this is a story that happened about 18 years ago now, so before any of you were even born. Okay, 
I got very sick 18 years ago. And I didn't know if I was going to live. And my dad had always really wanted to take me on a fishing trip out into the middle of the Pacific Ocean to catch salmon. And so we didn't know how much more time we were going to have together. And so we decided, even though I was sick, that we were going to go on this fishing trip together. And so we packed up the car and we drove three hours from our house all the way to a little town right on the Pacific Ocean called Westport. And Westport is a great fishing town. It was a long drive there, and when we got there, we were hungry. And so we got to have dinner together, and I had a cheeseburger and french fries and a Coca-Cola with my dad. And then it was late at night, and so we went to our hotel room, and I got to have another Coca-Cola out of the vending machine. I think this was before that we all knew that Coca-Cola is not the best thing for a sick person. And we made sandwiches together for the next day when we were going on our big fishing trip. And then we went to bed, but I couldn't sleep at all because I was so excited about going fishing the next day. And so it seemed like I hadn't even slept a bit. Maybe I hadn't slept a bit when the alarm clock went off at 3.30 in the morning practically the middle of the night and my dad and I got up and we went to a local diner there in town at four o'clock in the morning the diner was packed with people because it's a fishing town and so everyone is up early eating breakfast before they go fishing and we had eggs who likes eggs bacon who likes bacon keeps getting better pancakes Who likes pancakes? Keeps getting better. Orange juice. Every time I tell stories, I realize how many of my memories have to do with food. (laughs) Somehow, food really matters to me over the course of my life. And so we ate breakfast with all of these old-timey fishermen who were there in the diner early in the morning. And then we finished our breakfast, and we drove down to the docks where they keep the boats. And we met the captain of our boat, a man named Doug. And we met all the other people that were going to be going out on the boat with us, about 10 other people that were going out on that boat. Some of them were brand new to fishing, just like me. Some of them had never gone out in the Pacific Ocean and fished for salmon before. And some of them had been fishing in the Pacific Ocean for 40 or 50 years. And so all of us got onto this boat together and we started to motor out into the middle of the ocean. And it was still dark. It was still dark, so you couldn't really see very clearly. All you saw were these dark waves surrounding the boat, and they stretched in every direction as far as you could see. It was like dark black blankets were folding on top of each other, and that's all you could see. You couldn't see anything else. And as we kept driving further and further out into the middle of the ocean, it started to get a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter until we finally got to the spot where Captain Doug thought, this is where the fish will be. And we stopped there and he turned off the motor of the boat and then it was just quiet. All you could hear was the sound of the water 
hitting up against the side of the boat. And then, just then, the sun popped up over the horizon and the water began to sparkle like diamonds from all of the sunbeams that were hitting the waves. It was shiny and shimmering. And it was the most beautiful thing. And then Captain Doug started to teach us how to fish. We all got a fishing pole. We all got a little hook. And Captain Doug showed us how to put the bait on our hook. And then throw the hook overboard and let it start to sink down to where the fish were under the water. And Captain Doug told us that to make the hook go down deep enough we would have to pull out our fishing line 50 times to lower the hook down, down, deep into the water. And I decided that I was going to lower the hook down a hundred times. I thought to myself, maybe if I lower it a hundred times, there'll be even more fish deep down under the water. Maybe I'll catch even bigger fish deep down under the water. And so I lowered my hook out a hundred times. And then we started to wait to see who would catch a fish first. And it didn't take very long, only about 10 or 15 minutes. And then a man who was visiting the country, a Japanese man and his son, they started to yell out because their fishing line had gotten tugged on and they were catching a fish and they started to reel the fish in and they got the fish all the way near the boat and then Captain Doug reached down and pulled the fish up into the boat with a net and he dropped it on the deck of the ship and the fish flopped all around and Captain Doug picked it up with his hand and threw it into the holding tank where we hold fish And then I had to wait to see when I would catch a fish. And I waited and I waited and other people kept catching fish. And finally, just before lunch, I felt a tug on my line. And then my line started to run out. The fish took the end of my hook and began to swim as passionately as it could to try and get away from me. And I had to grab the fishing pole and start reeling the fish in. I pulled as hard as I could. And just as I started to pull and reel, right next to me, my dad's line got bit. And all of a sudden, my dad was catching a fish at the exact same moment that I was catching a fish. And we were both reeling these fish into the boat. There we were, father and son, not knowing how much longer we were going to have together to enjoy times like this, but enjoying this perfect moment very, very much. And we pulled the fish all the way in. My fish came into the boat first, and it was a beauty. You know how big it was? It was 30 inches long, 14 pounds of gorgeous coho silver salmon. My dad's fish came in right after that, 26 inches. Not bad, dad, 10 pounds. Both fish were big enough to keep, and then we kept fishing for the rest of the day, and I caught two more fish, and my dad caught none. And what else happened on that boat was there was a man on our boat who was older, like a grandpa. He'd been fishing for 40 or 50 years, and he caught that day a 42-pound king salmon. It took him more than an hour 
to get it into the boat, walking all the way around the edges of our charter boat as we all stood back and watched in awe as they finally pulled this 42-pound fish into the boat. That's bigger than some of you, right? (laughs) And that day, he won second place in the daily fishing derby for Westport. There was one other boat somewhere else in the Pacific Ocean that caught a bigger fish that day, but we saw the second biggest fish ever caught. And so we loaded up our four fish, my dad and I, into the cooler in our car, and we made the three-hour drive back to Seattle, and it was a perfect day, a perfect day for my dad and I, not knowing how many more perfect days we were going to get. Now let me ask you, What do you remember most about that story I just told? Anybody? The fish? Something happened right in the middle of my story. Something happened in the middle of my story where I could tell all of a sudden none of you were paying attention to me anymore. Do you remember what happened in the middle of the story? Did something happen over there? Oz, what happened? Oh my goodness, the greatest swords fight in the history of cinema popped on to the screen to my right. And you all were horrified thinking something terrible had gone wrong when in fact it was all planned. What happened when the sword fight came on the screen? Was it hard to hear my story? Why do you think it was so hard to hear my story? Exactly, because movies are louder, they seem more exciting, they have more color, more action, there seems to be more happening there. Let me ask you this, what's more important? What's more important, a movie full of made-up characters or a story that's really meaningful to someone that you know. What's more important? Yeah, what's more important? Yeah. What's more important? Yeah. (laughs) What did she say? The second one. Okay, she got it right. The story from someone that you actually know about something meaningful that happened in their life is much more important than a movie with made-up characters and made-up stories, and yet the movie grabs our attention, even though it's not as important, right? Remember before I said movies can trick us if we're not careful. Movies can actually trick us into thinking that made-up stories and made-up characters are more important than the real people the real characters, and the real stories of our life. Did you know that can happen? Did you know movies can actually trick you into thinking that made-up people are more important than real people? You guys like movies, right? Are movies bad? Sometimes? Yeah. Movies aren't actually bad. Remember, movies can help us think about what kind of a person we want to be or what kind of a person we don't want to be. But we have to be very careful with movies 
because movies can trick us into thinking that they're more important than the people and stories of our life. Okay, listen to what the Bible says about this. This is what we read a minute ago, Romans 12, starting in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, in the Bible, God says to us, he wants us to give all of ourselves to him. He really wants us to give all of ourselves to him. He's giving me a standing ovation right now because he wants so badly for us to give all of ourselves to him. He wants us to think about him and to obey him and to worship him and to honor him. Why do you think God wants all of us? Why does God want us to give all of ourselves to him? Is it because God needs us? No, God doesn't need us, but we need God. God loves us, and God knows a secret about us, which is that we need him in order to have life. So he says, I want all of your attention. I want all of your worship, right? Who knows the main way that we can pay attention to God in our lives? What's the main way that we can pay attention to God in our lives? Going to church, says the pastor's son. Going to church, especially when you're not drowned out by a rainstorm, right? The main way. That's one way. But the Bible actually says there's even a more important way that we can pay attention to God, and that is by paying attention to the people that he puts in our lives. When we pay attention to the people that God puts in our lives, the Bible says we're actually paying attention to God. When we love the people that God puts in our lives, we're actually loving God. And so we have to be very careful because remember movies and TV shows and video games, they can trick us. They can trick us into thinking that made-up people and made-up stories are more important than the real people and the real stories that God is actually putting in our life. Movies can actually trick us into not paying attention anymore to the real people and the real stories that are in our life. And when we stop paying attention to the real people and the real stories in our life, we actually stop paying attention to God. We can actually forget that we even need God. We can forget that we even need these people and these stories and all of this meaning that he's giving to us, that he's putting into our life. Listen to what the scripture says again. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God says, be careful. There's a lot of things in the world that are going to try to trick you into not paying attention to people and God. There's a lot of things in the world that are going to try to distract you away from paying attention to what you need most, to people 
and the God who has put those people there. God made you. God knows you. He knows what you need. And he's putting people and stories into your life for your good. And so he says, be careful that you don't get distracted and move away from paying attention to him or to people. See, here's what's really important to know. What we do, the things that we do, they have a big effect on how we think and feel. How many of you eat breakfast in the morning? Who likes breakfast? We talked about eggs, bacon, pancakes, right? If you stopped eating breakfast in the morning, what would happen? You'd be hungry, right? You'd be really hungry. But did you know that if you just kept not eating breakfast day after day after day, eventually you wouldn't feel hungry in the morning anymore? You'd stop feeling hungry in the morning. Do you know what would happen if you just stopped doing all your schoolwork? What would happen if you just stopped doing all your schoolwork? You would celebrate, Micah says, good. And then you would begin to forget everything that you had learned. Your mind would become dull. That's happening right now. It's called summer in the United States of America, right? But what we do changes the way that we think and feel. And so if you start watching Lots and lots of movies getting wrapped up. Lots and lots of characters. Lots and lots of stories. You know what can happen? You can start to forget that real life people are more important. That real life stories are more important. Okay, here's something that's really good. This is the last thing. You guys are doing so great. This is the last thing. It's really, really good news. If you wind up forgetting that God is important, if you wind up forgetting that people are important, if you watch so many movies and watch so much TV and play so many video games that you forget that your brothers and sisters, that your mom and dad, that your friends are important, that you forget that God is important, God will never forget you. God will never stop loving you. So you know what that means? It means even if you forget him, even if you completely forget him, you forget that he's important, at any time, you can turn the screen off and he will be right there, ready to be remembered. All right, let me pray for you, okay? Father, thank you for these little people that are part of our family. Thank you for each one for their precious lives. Pray your protection over their minds and their hearts and help our church, Father, to embrace the children of the painted door, to love them, to care for them, to include them, to learn from them, and to participate in the shaping of them. Father, we commit each one to you. These are your children. Thank you for sharing them with us. In Christ's name, amen.